Hello, welcome to my solo road. My name is Sydney. I live in a van and this is my podcast. I mentioned last week that I was in South Lake Tahoe and I am actually still here, which is very, very rare for me. I'm kind of taking my time right now, hanging out just a little bit. I'm constantly on the move, so sitting still for a minute is a little bit nice actually for a change. I'm headed north to Oregon after this and I will hopefully be taking my time through there as well. It is absolutely beautiful. It's one of my favorite places I've ever been in the van. The people are incredibly nice. Like everyone is so nice. Everyone is super happy. It's a very outdoorsy state. So I feel like I can kind of attribute everybody's very lovely personalities to that. And it is really, really dog friendly, which makes my life way easier. (laughs) If you have a dog and you've ever been to Oregon with your dog or you live in Oregon with a dog, you know, it's just so easy to have a dog in that state. Like there's some places where you just can't take your dog anywhere. And then you get to Oregon and you can take them everywhere, which is so nice. So yeah, most of you probably know that I travel in my van with Ella, who is my one-year-old golden retriever. And I get asked a lot about having a dog on the road and the logistics that kind of go along with that. Um, You know, how I go into national parks with her and how I go grocery shopping when it's really hot outside and I can't bring her in. And yeah, just kind of all about those different things. So I figured for this week, it would be fun to talk about traveling full-time in a van with a dog and how I make that work. And then while I have experience with Ella in a van, I will have our very first podcast guest ever (laughs) talking about how he travels in an RV with nine dogs. So we'll have a very special guest, Mr. Lee Asher from the Asher House today, just to kind of hear the differences between me and Ella and him and all of his pack of nine dogs. I'll kind of give my perspective and then he will give his. Um, There's quite a few differences, as I'm sure you can imagine, between the ways that we go about traveling. So anyways, yeah, this is the time where you can go grab a drink. I'm going to go get mine and I'm going to get the guest. (laughs) He's a very important part of the show today. And I will be right back. All right, we are back with Lee Asher from the Azure House, and I would like you to give an introduction of who you are, what you do, and share a little bit about your story, please. I will, and thank you for that lovely introduction. (laughs) (laughs) We had quite the conversation before starting the recording, so my name is Lee Asher. (laughs) My name is Lee Asher with the Azure House. I'm the owner of nine beautiful dogs. I travel across the country eight months out of the year with my nine beautiful dogs in an RV, spreading awareness about animal rescue. And how do you do that? By spreading awareness. <laughs> okay, how do you spread awareness? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I have a, a passion for all animals, but specifically dogs. I grew up spending a lot of time at animal shelters, so I've always had a lot of compassion for dogs, specifically rescue dogs. And currently, my nine dogs, <laughs> my nine dogs, it's hard to say if you say it <laughs> Nine dogs? My nine dogs. My nine dogs. My nine dogs. My nine dogs. <laughs> my nine dogs and I. <laughs> You're so tired of this already. We travel across the country in my RV and we visit animal shelters all over the country and hold meet and greets with my audience who only follow me for my dogs, which is fine. <laughs> My whole goal is really to show people really the beautiful bond that you can have with your rescue pet. And uh, we do that just by doing it in a small space with a lot of love and hopefully some humor. 
Beautiful. And not to speak for you at all, so I want you to kind of confirm this and speak on it, but you also spread awareness by getting dogs that you don't think other people would be potentially led to to get and to have in their home. Like you have a pit bull, you have a German shepherd who yep. is seriously overweight. You have queen who is a little adorable chihuahua. And queen no Latifas. <laughs> queen no Latifas, her full who government still, name. Who still chews on bones. <laughs> yes, she does. She has no teeth, but she was borderline crippled when you got her. So yeah. you're, you're getting dogs and you're showing people specifically in your audience on Instagram and social media that any dog you get from a rescue shelter can be a beautiful pet and, and someone that you can have in your home and have a lovely bond with and that you love dearly. For sure. I don't know if you know this, Sydney, by the way, this is like my second podcast ever. So awesome. Thank you for uh, lining that up because that, <laughs> I that booked is, you a job. Seriously. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it, that's not so much on purpose. That's uh, thanks for letting me know to lower my voice. <laughs> my favorite dogs are the ones that have the hardest time getting adopted. And as a lot of people know, pit bulls have the hardest time getting adopted. And recently, specifically in California, and excuse me, in Northern California, German Shepherds have a harder time getting adopted than pit bulls. I adopted Tony, my German Shepherd, at the Sacramento SPCA. And part of the reason why I adopted Tony is because the day I met Tony, I actually learned that fact from the Sacramento SPCA that they constantly, or should I say consistently, have more German Shepherds, uh, strays or drop-offs, whatever, than pit bulls. And, wow, that's awesome. I yeah. had I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, I had no idea. And uh, Tony, at the time, was severely overweight. Just thinking about him, it was crazy how I saw him then compared to what he is now. And he's lost close to 50 pounds. So Yeah, that's incredible. Do you have a dog out of the nine who might have, they all have incredible stories, but do you have one specific dog in mind that might have a very important, impactful story amongst the rest? No, only because each one of their stories is so special to me. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Queen having no teeth. Like she wasn't only crippled. Queen was just so much not a pack member for such a long time. Although she was, to me, in my eyes, a part of the pack. I know that Queen never saw herself as part of the pack. And I named her Queen because of that. I always change the dog's name. And I always try to give them a name that resembles the dog that I know they have inside of them. I just heard a loud bang. <laughs> oh, no. And that's one of the things you got to look out for when you got nine dogs. <laughs> We're upstairs right now in a bedroom with the door closed. And all... 10 dogs, including Ella, are downstairs just wreaking havoc. If I could just train them real quick. <laughs> Be good. Be good, whatever's going on down there. <laughs> we didn't hear a yelp. So yeah, yeah, no, no. So they're we're good. good. <laughs> they're good. They're definitely good. So very briefly, I would like to mention how we met because I think a lot of people are curious and they don't necessarily know that story. Yeah. So I was traveling with Henry, who has Finn, keeping Finn on Instagram. And I found or I met Henry at a dog park in San Diego. We ended up becoming friends. And then we traveled together for a little bit before getting to South Lake Tahoe. And when we were in the area, your audience and his audience kind of connected and tagging you guys in each other's posts and stuff, just saying that you two should meet. And yes. because I was traveling with Henry, we ended up just making an afternoon of like hanging out. And Henry and I, and I know I've told you this before met you thinking like we just want to spend an hour or two with this person we don't know him and then we ended up staying at your house for like three or four days because we just all got along really well yeah not only that but i didn't know that you were coming and like 20 minutes before you guys got to my house henry was like 
hey, I'm bringing my friend if that's cool with you. And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's just, that's funny. Yeah, so we really didn't even connect until, like... Five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's been several months, but yeah, I had no idea where I was going. I was just walking up to, like, a random guy's house, and then I we walked in the door, and nine dogs greeted me, and I was immediately obsessed and yeah. wanted to stay forever. Stella was your favorite. Stella was my favorite. Stella right is, yeah, Stella's his pit bull, and she is the sweetest dog I've ever met in my entire life. She's a troublemaker, but she for just... Sure. Yeah, but she's so sweet. She has the best personality. I mean, if it wasn't for food, she wouldn't be a trouble. A hundred percent. She's because so of food, and we're always cooking something. Yeah, she's super fo- food focused. Yeah. Um. And yeah. Anyway, so as am I. As am I. <laughs> <laughs> we're a good family. So I hear absolute chaos. <laughs> Uh, it, I do too. What are the odds that it is? I don't. I, it's Stella. Right. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but if you hear any background noise of banging, it's one of the dogs and it's 99% gotta be Stella. All right. I would love to know, did you ever imagine having nine dogs and or if you did, traveling with those nine dogs in a small space such as an RV? No. I remember when I got the idea, I was doing a live. How long ago was that? This was... Probably two and a half years ago. Okay. And I was doing a live and I was thinking about how cool it would be to actually meet my audience because, you know, they would always say how much they love my dogs and I would say how, how important it was that they met them. I was like, you have to meet them. They're so special. And then it kind of, by doing the live and people saying, oh my God, I would love to meet them. I was thinking of the best way. And then I just kind of saw like my dream. Also, my mission just pop up right in front of me. That's awesome. Yeah. How did you go about getting all nine? At the time, you only had how many? I believe at the time I had seven. You had seven or you had six? Because you got Tony, Queen, and Penny in the same day. You're right. I had seven. Like, they're in the past, like, before I had my nine, the most dogs I've ever had was seven. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then how do you go about training all nine on the road? Can you train them? Or do they kind of just follow the pack? That's the big secret. You know, there's a lot of training involved. But, I mean, the training just comes from having boundaries and having deal breakers. For example, like, I know that barking really gets the, like, gets the dogs going. Like, barking creates a lot of tension. It creates a lot of chaos. energy, chaos that can, it, that can lead to something like dog fighting or even attacking a human, like whatever it may be. So I put a stop to barking right away. And I guess that could be a form of training, if you will. I don't do a lot of the type of training where it's like, you know, roll over and stuff like that. That's just not important to me. But yeah, the reason why my dogs, in my opinion, are so well behaved is because of the pack mentality. Yeah. And I mean, I can say for certain, just introducing Ella into a pack because she was obviously just a only child for a while. And then since having somewhat of siblings, like being together for so long, she's learned things that she did not used to do. Like I used to have to work so hard for her just to come to me. Like she wouldn't be comfortable coming to me because she would know I was going to leash her. But because she's on a leash far less now than she was, she, I'm like, she comes right to me. She comes right to you. And she's just far more comfortable doing certain things that she wasn't necessarily comfortable doing, which is just fun to kind of watch her personality change in that way. Yeah. Um, 
And do they ever get along? Or <laughs> I should rephrase that. Never. <laughs> <laughs> do they ever fight? I meant to say, do they ever fight? And yeah, do they generally get along? Is there any two that might have more of animosity between them that you have to kind of keep separate during certain times? Or like, how how do you do that? That's a That's a good question and a common question. Now, the way to look at it, and this will really help people who have dogs that quote unquote fight. Dogs, just like anyone, I'm sure everyone would agree, they're a part of your family. Like, they are your family. I know you know that more than anyone. Ella is your daughter. Right. Now, families argue. Like, families argue. And sometimes they fight. Especially siblings. Exactly. Especially siblings. As a dog owner, you have to understand that. Like, it's important for you to have that framework, that mentality, as a parent, that your kids will argue. And they will fight. There's never been a dog fight where I'd have to take one to the vet or there's never even been blood drawn or anything like that. But there's certainly been arguments. And just like in any circumstance, you just have to remain super calm and collected and understand the situation. And most dog parents already do this, but like make sure you're paying attention to find out what happened so you can kind of catch that before it happens again. Yeah. And do you know what, notice a difference between traveling when you're on the road and they're constantly outdoors and that kind of thing versus their personality change when you're at home and they're in a house a little bit more? Even though you live in a place where they can obviously be outside constantly, is there any kind of difference between being on the road or being at home? That's a really good question. It, it, that, that all depends on like the season and what we're doing and the activities that are taking place. Like this past tour, I had to cut it short. You know, we were supposed to be on the road for an additional three weeks, but I made a very bad decision to do it during the summer. And I had a lot of problems with the RV and it was just really hot. And my St. Bernard Lily, when she's uncomfortable, like not only do the dogs know it, but people know it, you know, and she was super hot all the time. And there was a lot more arguments, if you want to call it that, than there were once we got back home and she was, you know, able to relax and just chill and especially the cooler temperature. Right. So that actually is a great lead uh, segue into my next question. A lot of people ask me what I do with Ella when it's hot and I have Mm -hmm. to leave her in the van to go grocery shopping, go to the gym and kind of just even my travel plans according to the weather. Um, So to speak on what I do with, you know, having one dog and being in a van, I don't have a generator. I don't have the option of any type of air conditioning. I will say I specifically go to the gym. I go grocery shopping. If I know that I have errands to run where Ella will not be allowed, I do those things first thing in the morning before 8 or 9 a.m. Or I will do them late in the evening once it started to cool down. And then, you know, just like logistic wise for my van, I will crack the front uh, windows, you know, substantially like six inches at least. And then I will lock the pocket door. If you're familiar with my van, I have like a pocket door that closes the front to the back off. So if I close the pocket door and I'm facing the sun, the heat is kind of blocked into the front of the van. So I will block the back windows, block the front of the van. If you don't have a pocket door, you can put like a sunshade up in the windshield and then just crack the windows. Most converted vans will have a vent fan. So you can turn the vent fan on and that will, with the windows open, create some type of circulation that will keep the van much cooler than it would be outside. And I also think during your build that you really need, if you have a dog, to prioritize insulation and making sure that you insulate your van properly and accordingly to know that there will be some type of living being or pet, you know, whatever kind of pet you have in the van when you are outside of it and stuff like that. 
Also, most people that I know traveling in vans, they do tend to go north for the summer because it's much cooler and then south for the winter because it's much warmer. So given that you have the freedom to kind of move, you know, you don't want to be in Vegas in July, like, you know, or Arizona in July. You just kind of have to use your head and use common sense to go to places and check the weather days ahead of time to know what you're in for and to kind of prepare yourself for what you're going to do. And like I said, you know, move to the cities and states around the time of year where you know the weather will be good for your dog, keeping them in the in your van. So how do you go about that? You have an RV. I know you've had trouble with your generator and with your air conditioning. And so how, you know, when that's working or not working, what have you done differently for nine dogs in a different type of vehicle? I always, you know, although I have a generator and because of the generator, I have AC, I always have the mindset that the AC can turn off at any minute and that, you know, it's possible at any time that there's something wrong with the RV or the dogs. Like, it's very hard for me when I'm traveling to be away from the RV for more than 30 minutes. When I work out or when I do anything, I try to do my best to park the RV in a place where I could, like, just watch it from the window while I'm doing what I have to do or check up on it really quickly. I check up on the RV all the time. I always try to park in the shade. Again, I always try to park somewhere where I could see it. But like I said, I mean, I just, I did a bad job this time, not kind of following my, my own rules, like what you just said, paying attention to the weather and making, like, I happened to do this tour. And from what I've heard was the hottest summer in a lot of states that they've ever had, right? Or, or in years. So, I mean, if you're going to be traveling with a dog, of course, it's <laughs> the best thing to do is to make sure that you're going into places during the, the right seasons. But I'm, I'm always checking up on the RV. It's hard for me to be away from it very long. Knowing that you have a dog, I mean, even just having Ella, I'm like, no matter where you are, you're always going to be concerned about yeah. your dog or dogs just being in the van. So, I mean, honestly, just as a piece of advice to anybody considering traveling with a dog or multiple, just you have to kind of embrace the constant thought of, you know, their safety and their well-being and things like that. It's not so much as like you going to your office anymore and leaving them at home knowing that they're okay. You kind of really have to just be okay with the fact that you're constantly going to be to some extent worried yeah, I mean, and you're, thinking you're, about them. You're a parent, right? So no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're parked, uh, if you're not with your kids, you're going to be make, you're going to hope that they're okay and making sure that they're okay. Right. So it's just uh, you know, you have to be comfortable with that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And then I know this is probably different for you than it is for me because it's a lot more difficult to leash nine dogs. Mm -hmm. But how do you go into national parks at all? A lot of people are curious how to bring a dog into a national park. And I know I'll speak on Ella and what I do at the end, but I'd love to know if you even bother going into national parks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I respect the rules when it says there are no dogs allowed. Okay. Like when there, when there are no dogs allowed, I respect that. However, when it says your dogs must be leashed, I, I don't listen to that. I know that a lot of people might have a problem with that. Uh, luckily, I've never faced an issue. But, I mean, it's just not po – A, it's not possible for me to leash nine dogs and go for, like, a leisure walk, right? Right. I mean, it is possible. But don't forget, like, my nine dogs are all different sizes. And Wildly strings. different sizes. We're talking from 5 pounds to 120 pounds. And they are – in top shape. <laughs> right. If you're in a national park, 
and you have all nine dogs, I would assume, and I've been with you in national parks, that you're not letting all nine dogs out off leash at one time. No, I'm more cautious. Like where, where I have to be cautious and when the rules are extremely strict, I just won't let all nine out at the same time. Right. It's usually groups of three. Right. Awesome. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, it's a little bit different having one dog, like I said. With Ella, it's very easy to have her on a leash. And if, you know, I, I do get messages frequently about people thinking that they couldn't have a dog in a national park at all, period. When the truth is, most national parks that I go to, they give me a dog treat at the front. Same. Yeah. And they, like, give me a little notification of their specific park rules on dogs and how to go about having one in the park and things like that. Uh, you typically can't leave them alone in the van. And so, you know, places like Zion and other national parks have specific trails that you can have your dog on. So they must be leashed. And there are obviously some rules. Like I said, they'll give you a piece of paper with whatever rules pertain to that park. But a lot of them have a park or two or five that you can't take your dog on. However, I think all national parks in the United States, you can bring your dog to campgrounds, parking lots, overlooks, any major points, and then within like a hundred feet of those things. So if you go to an overlook, you can walk around for like a hundred foot radius, which I know for some people, if you're visiting a national park, you want to do more and you want to be able to hike the backcountry and do all of those things. But Having a dog, like, I mean, you just literally can't have all of the options. So if you want to bring your dog into the park, you just kind of have to take what you can get. With Ella, I only go to the overlooks. I only go to the places where I can have her. And I just kind of make do with whatever I can possibly do. And then for my last question, after speaking on that, is what impact you think having dogs for yourself, all nine, what kind of impact do you think that has on your traveling versus if you were just traveling alone in an RV or with a partner such as myself (laughs) in an RV? Like, what do you think having those dogs brings to the table when it comes to traveling and experiencing all of these amazing places with them instead of without them and just, just yourself? I've been on hikes with you where we're not saying anything, you know, we're just enjoying the hike, watching our dogs. And we're both thinking the same thing where we're so grateful to be able to show our dogs that hike. Like we're so happy that they're like, we see them running and having fun. And we're like, man, I'm just so happy that my dog is having this amazing time. And I think that so often throughout my travels, it makes me so happy. It's not just because they're rescues. Like I always think about when I first saw my dogs inside of the shelter and to where they are now, it's so crazy. Like I know that dog You know, any of my dogs never thought that this would be their life. Ella never thought that, you know, she would have such an an adventure. Although this was her life, even from the beginning, she's always so excited. As soon as you open your van doors, she's just so stoked to see all like that new surrounding. That Right. Like what is today? (laughs) Exactly. And that that's what's so beautiful about dogs is they remind us constantly of how we should be and how we could be. Absolutely. The, The unconditional love, the gratitude, the the, the smiles that they show you just because you're there. And that's a beautiful thing. So I can't really answer that question because I, I can't imagine doing anything without them, right? What I can tell you is this, because they are our children, we feel so much responsibility for them. And I say that because just recently I did a trip where you watched, I believe, three of the dogs for me. Yeah, I went to Denver and there's a pit bull band in Denver. So... Stella couldn't go. 
And Lily, it was just so hot. It was the whole reason I canceled the last two weeks or three weeks of my tour slash mission is because it was too hot. So Lily couldn't go and Molly, who's obsessed with you, just would prefer to be with you than <laughs> Love with my the little Molly. Yeah. And I just noticed having six dogs. Oh, we, I had the foster. So I had seven dogs instead of nine. Just having two less dogs, I was more relaxed. It was just right. easier. So, yeah, traveling without a dog is easier, but not worth it. In your opinion. Yeah, in my opinion. My <laughs> in your factual. <laughs> my professional opinion. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And I just, I, I would never want to, like, I mean, anything that I do when my dog's not there, I feel so, I'm like, my dog should be here, right? A hundred percent. And that's, when you're on the road, you could see a pretty sunset and think, I wish my dog was here. So, right. I think if you're, if you have a dog and you're thinking about traveling, then 100% travel with your dog if possible. Absolutely. I always tell the story in person, but I haven't yet on this podcast. So I will give just like a brief rundown of uh, this one story with Ella because it does pertain to like how impactful it really can be. Last time I was in South Lake Tahoe, I was with my friend Henry. And so he had Finn, I had Ella, and I woke up one morning slightly hungover, and I had no intentions of doing anything of any type of physical activity that day. I just could, I didn't care to do anything. And Henry was super gung-ho on hiking a mountain. There's a mountain in Tahoe called Mount Talik, and he was so excited to hike this mountain. And so I just felt super guilty, and I was like, no, I have to do this with him. And I was hoping that it would be worth it. But it was in the middle of like snow season in Tahoe, which if, if you have experienced it, I mean, it's God. I mean, if you don't like the winter, don't go anywhere near this place. <laughs> and it's like that. So I hiked this mountain with Henry, Finn and Ella. And we had to wear snowshoes and like every single step up this mountain, you like take a step and then you have to breathe for a couple seconds. And then you take a step and you have to breathe for a couple seconds because I mean, you're going straight up. And it's just absolutely exhausting. So the whole time we go up, I don't know, I think I want to say it's like roughly six miles up. I was miserable and I almost quit so many times. I was like yelling, not at Henry, but like to Henry about how much I hated my life. And I just wanted to stop so bad. And we got to the top of the mountain and I was like ready to go back down. I just wanted it to be over. I was so exhausted. And Henry wanted to take photos of Finn and Ella just like playing at the top of the mountain and stuff. And so I had no choice but to just sit there for at least, you know, 20 to 30 minutes while he did his thing and took pictures and stuff. And as I was hanging out on the top of this mountain, the longer that it had been and as the time passed, I just became overwhelmingly grateful to have given Ella this experience. I am looking out at one of the most amazing, beautiful views I've ever seen in my life. And Ella is just running around like crazy. She loves the snow. So she has so much energy. And it was just incredible to watch her. And by the time we left, I mean, I had taken a million photos, he took a million photos. And then the whole way down the mountain, I just had the time of my life. Like it was such a wonderful experience. I was so happy that I did it. And it was all because I got to see Ella at the top of that mountain. I don't think that if I would have been at the top with just Henry, although I adore him, <laughs> I love him to death. If it was just us two, it would have been far less gratifying than me getting to see Ella and Finn just experience. Like they don't even, they don't even know what they got to do that day. Like to them, they just like hiked this really cool mountain and then went back down. But seeing them 
amongst the view and everything else. It was just one of the best days of my entire life. And I was so, I was so happy that Henry forced me to do it. And uh, yeah, I mean, by the end, it was just, it was just awesome. It was like one of the best days I've had on the road. And yeah, so that's kind of one of the more impactful times that Ella has had on my travels. You're and so then, good at this. Am I? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I love watching. Like, you are so passionate about this. It is so cool to watch. Well, thanks. I have a messy bun up and I'm in a t-shirt and leggings. I'm sweating right now profusely. Like, I look like hell. So I'm... I disagree. <laughs> thanks, babe. Okay, so to end this, I want to do a quick lightning round of just random things that, like, one or two people have asked, but maybe other people are curious. And just to kind of answer any and all questions... How do you go about bathing the dogs on the road? Usually naturally. Like Like in a river? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. We always find a river. And, uh, I mean, you've seen Penny, a chihuahua who... (laughs) Oh, my God. She swims. You guys, have you ever seen a chihuahua that swims? (laughs) It's amazing. And um, so, yeah, it's usually in a river or I'll find a hose. Because people are so supportive of what I do and the mission that we're on, uh, a lot of times groomers will reach out and say, hey... you know, I don't have time to wash all nine of your dogs, but I'd be happy to wash a handful and I'll take advantage of that. So, but mo- you, most of the time it's a river and same for me. Like I right. like nothing more to just jump walk. in a river. Exactly. Yeah. How do you figure out if the river is clean or not? First off, like moving water is usually the safest. Mm-hmm. I know recently, like there was that lake, I believe in North Carolina that had that algae, which unfortunately a lot of dogs lost their lives. Terrible. I just won't let my dogs go. Like, you just know. You see it and you're like, that's clean water. If, right. If I even have to question it, then it's a no. I don't take that risk. Yeah. Ever. As far as washing goes specifically. So not, I'm not talking about having a good time and swimming. Like if they jump in a lake, I'm not going to consider that being washed. Right. Because, I mean, a lot of times. I, they, they smell. Exactly. Like <laughs> They're like, we're far worse. dirtier. Right. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's when it's about grooming, it's going to have to be a river. Nice. And then as far as drinking water. Same. The rivers and stuff like that. Same thing, yeah. Yeah, people have asked me what kind of water I give Ella. If I'm buying water, like to fill up my water tanks and stuff like that in the van, she gets the same water that I do. So it's always clean. It's always potable water. And yeah, I mean, usually if we go to a river or something like that, she's just lapping it up the entire time anyways. Yeah. And food. What do you feed them on the road? I'm very fortunate to feed them human-grade dog food by a company named Ollie. I mean, it, it's crazy that I'm able to give them human-grade dog food. Like, I know not a lot of people are able to do that. And plus, having an RV, I have a very large refrigerator. So, I mean, my dogs take up not all my physical space, but also the space in my refrigerator. And I, I give them Ollie dog food. Nice. Uh, I will say Ella has recently kind of transitioned to Ollie dog food because of Lee. And just, I mean, I'm super fortunate as well. I don't even have a direct connection with Ollie, but because of him, I get to give Ella this really amazing dog food and it is so much better for her. I have changed her dry dog foods a couple times and finding a dog food on the road that's consistently at a PetSmart or something like that. Like some cities that you would expect to have a PetSmart, they just don't have that. They have Petco and Petco doesn't carry the dog food that you give your dog. And Ella would get sick Anytime I even slowly transitioned her dog food. And when I transitioned her to Ollie, like it was what in a day, like we didn't even give her her old food. Like she just ate Ollie and was totally fine with it and has been ever since. And this isn't about, you know, I'm not giving anyone a website link here. This isn't about promoting Ollie. This is just about, it really is important to give your dog a high quality dog food. Like a lot of people, especially first time dog owners, 
just don't realize that each brand is different. Ingredients are different. Just like humans, food matters. It really does matter. To the health and, yeah, everything. 100%. Just the well-being. And, and you usually start to see how the food is affecting your dog pretty early on, you know? And it's just really important to pay attention to that and to see what's going on in the dog food world. You know, what has, uh, what's it called? Callbacks? What's it called? Recalls. Mm-hmm. And just like paying attention to those type of things. So I, I know it's an expense, to be completely honest, if I wasn't sponsored by Ollie, there's no way I could afford to feed all now 10 dogs Ollie dog food. Right. But if it wasn't Ollie, I would definitely find a way. Like I would cook for it like because of what this has done. I would just make sure I found a very high quality food. Yeah. And this is a little bit off topic from food, but we, me only because of Lee, have started giving the dogs all CBD, which I think is incredibly helpful. And if you don't know, and I know he's not going to be salesy at all, but Lee sells his own CBD oil. So if you would like to try CBD, you don't know which ones would be good for dogs, what wouldn't be, you can go to the asherhouse.com and you can find the CBD there and you can purchase it there. And you find that that's been helpful. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And even if it's not, you know, with Asher House Wellness, I just... I'm a big fan of CBD. I think. Yeah, we take it. Yeah. I mean, that's the people always ask me if CBD will help with anxiety, if it will help with this. And what's so cool about CBD, it's going to help with something. Uh, I'm a fan of it. And I think people, if they have access to it anywhere or if they want to get it online, like whatever, I just believe that they should give it a shot. Absolutely. Is there any final notes that you would like to give on traveling with a dog, people's hesitation on doing so? Any final advice that you would give to someone who isn't currently traveling with a dog and they're hesitating to do so, but like they know that they want that? Yeah. I, I don't know if you hear him, but Butters is in the room. He's in this room? Yeah. He just he just peeked out and said hello and then ran under the bed. <laughs> He's been here the whole time. I didn't Love know. that. Look, I think that hesitation should be not completely diminished, but at least somewhat diminished when you see people doing it. Absolutely. And there's people doing it. I, that's one of the cool things that I can always talk on when, when people tell me that. It's like, I'm traveling with nine of them, right? I have no doubt that someone can travel with a dog. It, it's one of those things that it just makes everything better. Like, right. it, it really does. So, what I would say is, if you're thinking about traveling and you have a dog, how are you going to travel? What exactly. So, But I think also some people... Not to speak negatively about anyone, but sure. I think some people do use that as a crutch or an excuse. Like, I can't travel or I can't do this because I have this dog. And so they want to find this perfect recipe or this perfect answer of this is exactly what I do with my dog. And this is exactly what you can do. When I think the reality is there is not like that answer doesn't exist. We cannot provide you with anything that's going to give you this, you know, clarity moment of like, oh, my God that's what I need to do. And now I can travel with a dog. It's more yeah. or less like we wanted to travel and we had dogs. So every day we take it day by day. And in the moment, sometimes I'm like, oh crap, I need to go grocery shopping. But I have Ella, like I'm going to have to run in somewhere quick, grab lunch and I'll go grocery shopping this evening when it's cooler outside. Like you take it day by day and you just obviously when the dog's sitting right there, like you have them on your mind always. So you just do whatever you can in that moment to like do what's best for them and you do what's best for you. There's there's really no perfect scenario or, you know, answer that we can provide, I think, right. that would that would really get someone on the road. If you're unmotivated or you don't necessarily want to, I don't think it's the dog's fault. <laughs> I think it's got to be something else. Like, you just really have to go for it, do it, 
And that's a really good point. Not to, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're I just, not. I don't want to forget. Like, that's a really good point because people, you know, my dog has anxiety or my dog doesn't do well with other dogs or whatever. Your dog is going to have so much fun. And all those things that you're worried about, anxiety or whatever, this can help your dog. Just like, just like it can help you. Like I, I often tell people when they say that their dog has a, s- a severe anxiety, I, I say, you know, is it okay to bring up maybe you do as well? Yeah. You know, where's, where's the dog getting it from? And, you know, not all the time. I'm not saying every person with a dog that has high anxiety or that's not good with other dogs means that that person's not good with other people or has a lot of anxiety. But one of the beautiful things about traveling is that you're constantly creating new experiences. And when a dog is in a new experience, it is going to depend on its father or mother or both, right, for security and safety. And that's where that bond is developed because that human is de- is experiencing something new as well. And they will subconsciously or consciously also depend on their dog for that security or safety. Absolutely. And that's what's so beautiful. That's where this bond that you or I can't even explain, right? Yeah. Or especially a dog. It's just this beautiful connection that, you know, people who don't have a dog would never understand, which is totally okay. But it's one of those things that that's why it is so important to travel. That's why it is so important to not have excuses like I'm, I can't because my dog, because your dog wants to get in that van. Absolutely. <laughs> your do- like, even if it doesn't like car rides, like it, it's going to get you. It's going to like them. Right. It's- and I think that's a good point, though, is that your dog might hate the car and maybe that's what's stopping you. But if you cared, if you genuinely and I mean this as kindly as I can say it. If you really wanted to travel and you really love your dog, then you'll find a way to, you know, maybe the first three months of you traveling, you never go longer than an hour. You'd never travel longer than an hour just to get the dog accustomed to being in the car every day. So don't drive eight hours a day right off the bat when you have a dog who hates being in the car. Like you're going to have to adjust things and change things as you travel according to your dog. That's part of the responsibility of having one. But the responsibilities are so much, I don't want to say so much less, but the the impact and the just amazing time that you'll have, it really, in the bond that you create, like you mentioned, it so far surpasses any sense of responsibility that you might feel or any anxiety that you have or anything that's stopping you, any hesitation or anything like that. Like, the time that you're going to have while you're traveling with your dog is it's so good that you're never going to think about those things. It's never a pain. Right. And and what's so important to mention is that it doesn't have to be easy right away. Absolutely. You know, I, I just saw this story. Uh, I don't know if you saw it or who, who's ever listening has seen this. I thought this was so cool. It's about this guy who has a husky and he lives in Hawaii, right? He said at the time, I guess, or not, whatever. I don't know his financial, current financial situation, right? But at the time, he was completely broke and all he could afford was a motorcycle. At the same time, he was committed to visiting 50 states, all 50 states, right? So he has a motorcycle, he has a husky, and he can't afford a car, but he wants to see all 50 states 100% with his husky. He trained his husky to jump on the motorcycle and literally the husky, like, covers on like has his paws on the, the guy's rides shoulders with him and rides and he's he's riding through the country right now how long do you think it took it it took four months it took four months to to train his dog to get on the motorcycle and now that's how he calls his dog 
So he like I like I just watched this video and it's so cool because he's in Nevada. You can't see his husky, and he goes, "You want to see how to call your husky?" And he like rams up the engine as loud as he can, and the husky sprints to him, jumps on the motorcycle, and they're off. Is like ready to go. And the point is, is that he was committed. When I hear and I watch that story, this dude wanted to travel. He was going to travel with his dog, and he had no money, uh-huh. and he did it. And it took him four months to figure it out, but he did it. So it's just, I just wish like, you know, you hear so many, and I don't like to call them excuses because like, I know that people have legitimate, Absolutely. legitimate reasons 100%. why they can't do it. So I, I don't want to not be sympathetic to those people, but man, it's so important to get out there and you don't have to commit to 50 states, commit to three states. Right. right. A weekend road trip, literally. Yeah, I mean, rent a van. Like no one that I've met on the road, and I'm sure you've met so many, way more than I have, because you go to the gatherings and all that, right? No one's ever been like, I should have never done this. No, I've never heard that. No one's ever said, I shouldn't have brought my dog. Right. No, right. I mean, what a beautiful, freeing feeling to know, like you're on the right path. You're on the right road. Literally. Literally. <laughs> if I didn't start this mission, not only have I you know, rescued over 500 dogs now. Not only have I shown my dogs this beautiful you, life. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Sure. You've gotten over 500 dogs rescued. Excuse me, yeah. Just so people don't think you have had 500 dogs. No, I wish. Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. That's the goal. But yeah, with my events, uh, just through my events, over 500 dogs have been adopted. But if you think about all the beautiful opportunities that have happened because of that commitment, the people I've met, meeting you, especially meeting you, Everything that has happened to my life, the dogs getting rescued, the lives that the Asher House has been able to change, that's what makes the traffic, the flat tires, the legit bumps along the road so worth it. Not one regret. And like you said, I, I am yet to meet someone that has re- regretted it. And it's just, for me, it's so important not to get too off topic, but whether you have a dog or not, maybe you get a dog while you're on the road. I mean, it's just, it's just, Go do it. Don't think of all the reasons, like anything else, right? Don't think of all the reasons why not to do it. Think of all the reasons why to do it and just focus on those things. Absolutely. I could not agree more. That's a beautiful thing to end on, honestly. That was awesome. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. um, I think we've covered just about everything pertaining to dogs. If we missed anything, message me on Instagram, send me an email or something like that, and I can kind of let you know privately whatever you are curious about. But I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You're the first guest. Did you have fun? Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Awesome. We're sitting on uh, your carpet in a guest bedroom and, <laughs> and we shut all the windows because it's so hot. Or I'm sorry, we shut all the windows because the wind was coming in and now it's super hot. I'm literally sitting on a dog poop stain. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, yeah, but anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I will see you next week. Next week's episode will be all about the initial costs of a build, how much my van was, how much the build was, and just kind of how my budget is every single month and how I go about saving and spending and all of that good stuff financial wise. Very different than today's topic of <laughs> just dogs. Um, yeah, anyways, hope you guys enjoyed it and I will see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.